personally, it's wonderful for me to be back with you all, having missed being physically present for two Sundays uh, in a row. Uh, today, one of the words that will come up, and it is then what I chose as the title and part of each of the subpoints of the message, is a blessing. And it, it really was a blessing for us to get some time away to see uh, the Atlantic coast and some, spend some time together as a family. And the day we were leaving uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina, to come back home was our youngest David's third birthday. And so we were finding ways to celebrate it throughout, but uh, we had to check out at 10 o'clock, and so we knew if we came straight home, we would uh, probably get in around between midnight and 2 a.m. And uh, recently, over the summer, uh, my brother's family relocated to Chattanooga, Tennessee from California, and so we said, if we're not in a specific rush, we can go a bit of a roundabout way, and then we can actually see my brother's family uh, and take some extra time to get home. What that also meant was we could get to Aunt Jessica's house for a birthday party. Uh, I don't pass on opportunities to eat uh, when my sister Jessica cooks and bakes. And so when we reached out and said, hey, if it works, we would come actually to Chattanooga and we could celebrate David's birthday uh, with you. And they said, oh, yes, we'd love it. We'd love for you to see where we live. And so we thought, that sounds better on your birthday than 12 hours in a car, right? Is we're still going to spend about six and a half hours, but it's a little bit better than 12 hours. And so we uh, had planned that. And so I had assured, you know, David, there's going to be a birthday cake at the end of this. Uh, and, but I still felt guilty that we were waking up and getting in a car for six and a half hours on his birthday. So there's something in me that was like... I have to do something else. So I got up extra early and got Dunkin' Donuts before we left on the trip. And so had some donuts before we left, sang a song, and then went and spent a night in Chattanooga. And then when we're already there, now we have to drive past Grandma's house to get home in Cincinnati. And so let's stop there as well. And so he got three birthdays for his third uh, birthday, which was pretty extraordinary. And then Tuesday morning, uh, he wakes up and we're having breakfast and he goes, Dad, can I have another birthday? <laughs> I said, yes, you can. Next year, when you turn four, you have already had three birthdays. Uh, but he had just soaked in sort of the goodness of all of that, the blessing that it was. And when we do experience blessings, we want more of it. You know, when you go to a live performance of music, when there used to be live performances of music, uh, you could tell when the, when the crowd wanted an encore, when they wanted more of it. It was their way of saying, this really is good. And when we experience the blessing of God, we, we long for more of it. And uh, part of our passage today is uh, James telling us that there are blessings that God wants to give us. And we can receive more of them if we have uh, ears to hear and eyes to see. But there are things that get in our way at times from receiving the blessings that God offers. So I invite you, if you haven't yet, to go to the book of James in chapter 1. We're going to read verses 19 until the end, which is verse 27. So this is James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And that will conclude our reading for this morning. If you, like me, heard verse 19 uh, a fair amount, growing up and in your teenage years, you, you know that you might have been someone who used a lot of words, uh, and I don't lack for words to come up with and talk. And so being told to let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak is an admonition that I often do need to receive. I needed it before, and I still need it now. But what James is talking about there is actually not parenting advice. It's not marriage advice. It's good for all of those things. But if you've been with us, as Brad led us for the first two Sundays, if we're struggling to find it and consider it all joy when we face trials of various kinds, and we just say, we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to look at trials and difficult life circumstances in that way, then the invitation James gave to all of us was, if we lack wisdom on how to do this, then ask God. Ask him to give you the wisdom that it is that you need to be able to face difficult trials in a unique way, not in your natural bent, but in a supernatural way through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, that you could be a person who even when really difficult things come, you find a way to fight for joy, to continue to be kind. And, and if you're pleading to God, give me that kind of a wisdom, he is saying God is ready to give us his wisdom, but what we need to do is to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. So if you were to write there, well, who are we supposed to be quick to hear? It's God, which is true. If you're in a relationship, you want to be quick to hear your spouse. And if you're talking to your kids, you want to be quick to listen to one another. That's, it applies in all those areas as well. But here for James, who's invited all of us to ask for wisdom from above, he's inviting us to be quick to hear the voice of God, to experience the blessing that it is, not to get this person's opinion and th this person's opinion and this person's opinion, but to hear the voice of the very person who created you, who loved you enough to send his son to die for you. That's the voice you and I need to hear more than anybody else's voice the voice of someone who we love and who we long to be with. For those of you who have loved ones in your life who are no longer with you, you know one of the things you crave the most, like I do, is the ability to hear the voices of those people. So there are two things about us that are, distinguish us, even though there's seven billion plus people on the planet, your fingerprint and your voice are these things that are so unique about you and that as you get to know someone more, I still don't even know what my fingerprint looks like, but I know what the people around me sound like. 
And sometimes even when I can't see them, but I can hear them, I know the goodness of their presence. And we are a world that is starved and craving to hear the voice of the God who made us. And if he is not shouting at us, but a lesson that the prophet Elijah had to learn in the Old Testament, he's talking softly to us. Then one of the ways that we have to hear him is to quiet down, to turn the noise off around us so much that we can hear each other. Last night, Amy and I were trying to have a conversation and the other three were having so much fun. I think they were just had some sugar of some kind, and so they were just bouncing off the walls. And we were saying to them, we can't hear each other because of how, like, have fun, but just, like, tone it down a little bit so that we can hear each other. In our relationship with God, we need oftentimes to establish disciplines of turning down the noise around us, being at a stillness, so that we can actually hear what he's saying. And so it used to be fairly common as a part of ordinary church worship to have a moment of silence. span of an ordinary week how often do you give yourself just that much time and that felt long but it wasn't it's probably 15 seconds but all of us need some discipline of stillness and quiet where we're not right away running with our thoughts and our ideas or what other people are saying but in asking God for his wisdom that we would take the time to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, knowing that the anger that stirs up often within us does not produce the righteousness of God. And so in verse 21, he says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So receive the word. If you're praying for the wisdom of God, take the time to receive his word. It's in receiving his word that you discern his voice and that you can know what it is that he wants to say to you. Because what James had just gotten done talking about was that our Heavenly Father is the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And he wants us to be the first fruits of his creation. And what we're reading from 19 to 27 is, well, what would life look like if we were people who really believed that God was the Father of lights that he's never the one tempting us. His purposes for us are always good and kind. Here's an image that comes into my mind now when I read James chapter 1. This was last week on an early morning sunrise. I walked out to the beach, and as I got there, got to see uh, more and more of the coming sunrise. And partly because it was cloudy, because the entire time we were there, there was some outskirts of Hurricane Teddy, which hit in Louisiana, but which made things fairly overcast and windy, but still for us beautiful the whole time. 
uh, I stood there at a sunrise where I could see blue sky and purple and pink colors in the clouds and orange and yellow on the waves. And for a moment, in the midst of what has been for all of us an incredibly challenging year, that would get all of us to question, what's going on in the world? Is God really up to something? To be this just vivid reminder that God is still in control in this world, that he is still the father of lights. Because it's a completely different experience in our lives if we feel like the one who loves us and whose voice we seek is the one who looks over and shines upon this whole world as opposed to feeling like we live in a universe where there's a really bad boss and all of us are just waiting to get our pink slip. Like the company's going bankrupt, we know the time's running out, it's just a matter of when you're going to find out you're fired and I'm going to find out I'm fired. Well, if we live and that's our basic view of the world, there's a whole lot of reasons to get angry and to try to get other people angry with you and just to fight nonstop. But if you believe that the world is run and governed by a good God whose purposes for us are always light and pure, it gives us a different way of reacting to say, you know what I really need? I need to listen to him. I need to hear what he wants to say, what his purposes are for me and his purposes are through me into the world. And if I fill myself up with him, it should be visible to other people that I'm less and less angry, that my life is less and less about just trying to get my way because I realize God can give me more than I could ever get for myself. He's that gracious. He's that powerful. He can produce things that no person has enough money to try to produce on their own. And even if all human institutions together coalesce, they could never make things as beautiful as God makes them. And when we believe that that's true and that he's our good, good father, then it allows us to have internally a quiet when the world around us might be struggling. And where James is writing this letter, he's writing from Jerusalem, and the temperature in Jerusalem from the time that Jesus ascended back to the Father up until 70 AD only gets hotter. That if you lived there, we already knew that they handled some of their religious disputes with violence. They took Jesus, arrested him, took him before the governor and said, you need to execute him. He's like, I do? Can't you guys figure this out? No, nope, no, nope, he's guilty of this and you need to take him out. And so they do. And Jesus is unjustly killed. And for all of those who don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah who's come, from the time of Jesus' ascension until James is writing this letter and shortly thereafter, those angry thoughts about Jesus increasingly turn towards what they should do against Rome. And you could tell on the streets, war's coming. And there were plenty of coffee shops you could have gone to where, man, everyone was hot. And did you hear what happened here? And did you hear what happened there? And Jesus had warned all of those who would reject him that everything they were now looking at was going to be completely knocked to rubble. It's one of the scariest prophecies that Jesus made, that it would all be destroyed. But it came true. Because those who did not believe in him and accept him as being sent as a gift from their good heavenly father who solved the problem of their sin, who promised them eternal life, they were left with limited options, which increasingly became angry 
and violent. And James is telling anyone who will listen, that's a dead-end road. It will not go well for you if you're sitting around at the coffee shop and all you guys can talk about is how to overthrow Rome. There's someone who came who is different, and he wasn't complicit in Rome's sin, he wasn't an advocate of Rome, but he gave us a fundamentally different way to live and to think about the world we live in. And if we follow after him, it can save our souls. That's what it says in verse 23. Then the next point he says, so be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, but he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. Just as Jesus had given warning after warning to people that if they would heed him, they would find life and that there would be blessing in trusting in him and trusting in his counsel. Those who heard him and said, no, I'm, no, I'm putting all my hope in this temple. I'm putting all my help in this order. I think we can get enough people to fight this war and we can take Rome. And Christ held out to them, just like James is doing now, the promise of blessing or curse, the promise of life or death. This is how it was presented in the garden when God made the world and said, you can partake of everything you want, just don't do this. There's blessing if you trust my counsel. There's curse if you don't. When we read the Psalms and God gives us his voice and his word, again, there is blessing if we trust his counsel. There is a curse if we don't. Here James is saying it all over again. If you just hear it, but don't do it, if you just listen but don't trust in it, you won't receive the blessing that God wants to give you. There's a goodness that God wants to give you. He didn't make this world haphazardly. He created us purposefully, and he has a desire for each and every one of us. And if we can heed his counsel and trust what he has to say, we'll listen. It's... it's you know, actually being on a beach is simultaneously relaxing, but when you have three young kids, it's also really stressful because getting them to embrace, like, how far is too far is a, is a hard thing. And so you want them to enjoy it, but you want them to say, but don't, like, you need to listen to me right now when I say don't go farther than here. And if I can trust you, I can stay further away from you. If I can't trust you, I have to be closer to you. And I was telling uh, my uncle this before the service started, but there was a guy fishing uh, next to us really close by one morning. And we were excited to see what he might catch. And he finally caught something. We're like, oh, awesome. Guys, come here. Let's see what he caught. And then he pulled in a stingray. And I was like, oh, okay. So do you see why we're telling you not to go, like, very far? You don't see what's out there. We don't see what's out there. And if you hear our counsel, if you listen to it, we can enjoy this whole thing. If you don't heed our counsel, it can go bad fast. And God's word from the beginning has been that to all of us as his creation. If we believe that trusting him and obeying him is the way to blessing, then we will experience blessing upon blessing. That doesn't mean that everything will go well and perfectly, but we'll experience the goodness of him as our father that he really does care about us and that's why he's telling us the things that he's telling us. And there's a perseverance that can come from that. 
And then the last part from verse 26 on gives us a window into exactly uh, what it is that is so dangerous, especially for all of us, I would say, who are gathered here at church. He says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person is worthless. Now, if you pause there for a moment, you say, well, what do you mean bridle your tongue? Is he saying uh, any, everyone who says they believe in God but they use you know, bad language, they're deceiving themselves? I mean, I think that's true. I don't think God wants us to use a lot of bad language. But again, I don't think that's what verse 26 is saying. One of the dangers that we have in the use of our tongue that is the most corrosive on our soul is the danger that he had just described in the verses that precede it. We could hear the word and not do it. We could say we love God. We could say we follow after him. We could say we believe in him but never actually do it. And if we get used to saying we believe in God, when we don't, there is nothing more corrosive to our standing before God than that. Superficial religious speech will send the most amount of people to hell. Because sometimes by saying it, we think we've done it. And it functions as a placebo, if you will, to the real thing in many of our lives. And so he's saying, if you think you're righteous, don't deceive yourself through your tongue by saying nice things. Show me in how you live that you really believe these things. And then it would be evident. Are you visiting the orphans and the widows? Do you care about those who are at most in need and vulnerable in this world. And it comes back to Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, challenging others. If all we do is love people who are like us, that's fine. That's not a bad thing. You just don't need Jesus for that. If our main goal and purpose in life is to protect ourselves and to only do right by those who we love, that's okay, but there's nothing specifically religious about that. You don't need to pray for God for wisdom and you don't need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. You really can just operate in your own conscience of what do you think is right or wrong. But when in knowing God as your Heavenly Father, you say, you have so protected me and blessed me and given me more than I ever could have asked for, I want to learn how to love people who are not like me. I want to learn how to care for people who are really hurting right now. Oh, you do? You need wisdom on how to do that. <laughs> You're going to need the Holy Spirit to help you with that. You won't just on your own be able to figure that out. You'll really need God's help in doing that. But if we embrace that way of life, then we experience the blessing of walking in his ways. That we would know his voice and heed his counsel and increasingly be the people who walk in his ways. That is how the Lord blesses us and keeps us and makes his face shine upon us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for James and his commitment to your truth to highlight for us the dangers that exist even in our own religious speech, even in our own faith, that as in his own day, he saw so many people that he used to be like in Pharisees and Sadducees who thought they were on the right road and yet rejected 
your son and our savior who believed that they had to fight for what only you could give and who were so consumed by anger that they not only lost uh, themselves but so many that they loved we pray that you would help us to be still and know that you are God to be quick to hear your voice speaking to know that you are sovereign and you are good and that you can give us what we need to live the way you've called us to live. We pray for that in Jesus' name.